Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10:30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Well, what a wonderful day in the God, in God's house. Amen. We have a very special treat. Sitting on the front row over here next to my wife is my sister and my brother-in-law, Susie and Randy Anderson. And uh, when I found out they were going to be in this neck of the woods, they just retired recently. Susie, how long have you been retired? Three weeks? About three weeks. And it's not fair because she's a year younger than I am. Um, and she got to retire a whole lot sooner than I will, that's for sure. I will probably not get to retire until I have a seven in front of my birthday, unfortunately. Yeah. But anyway, you know, growing up, as, as kids growing up, it used to bug the heck out of me. We're 11 months apart. And so we would be the same age for one month. One month, yeah. Her birthday's in February, February 23rd. Mine's March 26th. So for a month, we were the same age. As a kid, that used to bother the heck out of me. I was, I was the oldest, you know. And uh, now that I'm old, as old as I am, I just laugh about it. It's just, yeah, okay, <laughs> you got there too, huh? Same thing, yeah, we're the same age for a month. Good, congratulations. So Susie's going to come and, and uh, introduce the situation. And, uh, and then Randy's going to share his testimony with you today. And I've really been looking forward to, to hearing him share the word. Now, be, you have to be kind to Randy today because he had surgery on, on a foot um, on Monday. So he's a little limpy, he's a little gimpy, and he could be a little grumpy, I don't know. You know, it just, you never can. But he did get a good night's sleep last night, so that's encouraging. We didn't, wait, didn't even wake him up till 8 o'clock. You guys ready? Yeah. Come on. All right. I'm going to hand this mic to Susie. As she gets to say, I'm the younger sister and always will be. I love that. I love that. Um, but anyway, we are honored to be here this morning, and... Um, Michael had asked that my husband speak his testimony, and we have um, an incredible testimony. Um, I was raised a preacher's kid, and um, weren't we all? Huh? Us? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I went to church all my life, and um, at a certain age, and gone through some heartache, um, as a young adult, I turned my heart away from the Lord. And... You know, those were the darkest days of my life. And um, when I I met my husband, and there was a time where I just said, I can't do this anymore. I can't live my life without Jesus because I keep making terrible decisions and bad mistakes. And I just felt so heavy in my spirit. And I rededicated my life to the Lord. And um, it was the best thing I ever did. 
and fell so deeply in love with Jesus that I can't even imagine for a minute not having him in my life and letting him direct my life. And, and um, my husband has a pretty incredible testimony. Um, and so it's a, it's a miracle. It's a miracle testimony. And, and the one thing that I want to encourage all of you today, and you'll understand why once he speaks to you this morning, is if you have somebody that you're praying for, if you have a child, if you have a husband, if you have anybody in your life that you're praying for and it's been a long time, don't ever stop praying. Amen. Don't ever stop praying because my husband's standing here beside me this morning, loving Jesus, speaking his word, and living the life that, that God has called him to. And so he's my miracle. And I just want to encourage you, don't ever stop. Never, 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 because it's worth every moment on your knees. So I'm going to pray over us this morning before he speaks. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. You are amazing. And I just ask you today, God, to fill this place with your Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts that are broken. Fill the hearts that are weak, God, and the ones that just need you so much. I don't know what they need, but you do. And I ask that you come and you pour out your spirit on them. And you just let them know that they are so loved by you. And that in your sight, they are lovely. Every single one of them. I pray that you touch Randy to speak your words this morning. And let them hear your miracle. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. So blessed to be here, and thank you so much, uh, Mike and Teresa, for the invitation to speak. It's, uh, it's an open door that I love to walk through, which, by the way, is a miracle. <laughs> you know, three years ago, I never would have imagined that I would be speaking uh, in a church about God's love, his forgiveness, and grace. It was a father's thing for my mind. In fact, I, all I can say is it is a modern-day miracle that I'm standing here today. I didn't ever think that would happen. So thank you so much for this opportunity and all the glory to God. Thank you, honey, for praying. So it's a testimony, but it's also a story. And actually, my story starts a long, long time ago. And if I would tell you the whole story, that would take about many days. But Mike said I only had so much time. So I'm going to try and condense it uh, into the high points. But I think it might be helpful if I give you a little bit of background information. Uh, in my late 30s, I felt a strong calling uh, to the ministry. And I had a relationship with Jesus Christ at that point in my life. But over the next six years of studying, getting all the head knowledge, getting all the doctrine, getting all what was right and what was true, okay? Because I had the truth, right? The rest of you, no. 
I had the truth. But that became my mission, all right? That became my purpose. And over that process of those years, you know, of getting my undergraduate, getting my master's in theology, I lost my relationship with Jesus Christ because my priorities changed. It was all about head knowledge. It was all about performance. It was all about the look good. After leaving uh, my my grad school in Michigan, we moved to Roseburg, where I pastored for about five years. I didn't pastor. I just played the role. I had lost my relationship with Christ long before pastoring. So it was all about performance. All about seeking the approval and the praise of others. It was about to look good. About to look good. A process of a broken relationship with my Lord and Savior. The end result was I left the ministry. I left my wife of 23 years. I left my family. And I left God totally. Little did I know, God had a plan. I didn't know it. I had no idea. God still had a plan for my life. That plan is stated in Jeremiah 29. And I'll talk about that a bit more in just a bit. I really believe, though, that that plan was set into motion when I met my wife, Susie. The first time I, I saw her, it's like, I think this, this gal might be the right one for me, all right? You know, she's got the beauty, the personality, you know. She thinks I walk on water. <laughs> Maybe not? Okay. <laughs> so we dated for a long time, and I fell deeply in love with her and asked her to marry me, which she said yes. We had an awesome marriage. Um, we decided we would go to Hawaii for our, our, our honeymoon. In Hawaii, we were having a wonderful time. And then something happened that changed my life forever. I'll get through this. <laughs> I received a phone call, and it's a phone call that no parent ever wants to receive. Here we were, you know, so much joy, so much happiness, you know, in getting a phone call that my oldest son had been killed in a car accident. You know, my life was kind of a mess prior to, but when that happened, I had no idea where my life would go from there. You know, and I know there's people that have lost uh, loved ones. 
and the pain is indescribable. The depression is so deep. So much hopelessness. You know, when you lose something that's important to you, and whether it's just your dreams, you know, a loss of a job, uh, being hurt by someone that you love, loss of a loved one, most of us will turn to some type of distraction, something that will mask that deep, deep hole in your soul. There's a void that's created when we lose something that is so significant in our life. We will find a way to fill that void. Filling the void, it's human nature. I filled my void with, with what was the most easiest. Drugs, alcohol, gambling, the list goes on and on and on. A lot of isolation. I'm kind of getting ahead here in my story, but I would spend hours on our place, on a mountain, no neighbors, acreage, beautiful view. You know, I had to keep it up, right? Distractions. Stay out till dark so I didn't have to come in and face my wife that was going through so much sadness because of what I was going through and because I could not give her anything because I had nothing to give. That's another story, another sermon. You know, shortly after Brent's death, my wife had accepted Christ. I wanted nothing to do with religion. You know, on on occasion I would... uh, I don't know, suffice your need or whatever, Uh, and attend church. But every time I walked through the door, I hated it. When someone would come up and shake my hand, I would see if I could turn the other way and, and just act like I didn't notice them. And all through the sermon, I was critical. I was frustrated. I was angry that I was there, and I could not wait to get out. Talking about distractions and spending, you know, so much time on our property and place, which, by the way, is serving two masters, but which, by the way, I'm going to talk about in a minute. (laughs) I remember coming in, though, so many times, you know, into the house and hearing my wife sobbing in one of the other rooms. So often. Sobbing. I had nothing to give. You can't give to somebody something you don't have. This destructive lifestyle continued for over 20 years. And there were so many times that my wife wanted to leave to get out of the marriage. But each time she prayed for guidance, 
And thank you, Holy Spirit. He said, stay and pray. Continue to pray. Because I have a plan. Just didn't know it then. I have a plan. You know, my life began to really make the change three years ago. Susie had asked that we go down to Vaco, California, where her brother is a pastor um, of the church called the Father's House. And my thinking was, you know, awesome, let's do it. You know, I got golf down there, I got great food in Napa Valley, fine, you know. I'll go to church, I'll appease you, as long as I get, you know, the good food and the golf, I'll be okay with it. Those were my intentions. The sermon that weekend was about being set free from the bondage of legalism and God's unconditional love. Unconditional. My belief system was there were all kinds of conditions before Christ would accept you, forgive you, and love you. My history was, you had to do this, do that, stop this, wear this, say this. Unconditional love? I thought it was righteousness by works. It's called outside in, rather than inside out. And one of my biggest fears was, what am I going to have to give up? How am I going to give up everything that I use to self-medicate my pain, my anger, my resentment, my depression? How am I going to function? How am I going to function without self-medicating? I use my profession, I use substances, I use landscaping, I use gardening. You know, how could you be angry with me, honey? I'm keeping this place so nice. I don't get it. Hmm. And there was always woodcutting. I'm just going to throw that out there, all right? You can never have too much wood. In fact, that's going to be on my tombstone. (laughs) My grandkids and my kids and my wife think I have some obsessive-compulsive behavior when it comes to wood. Okay, that's another story. But something began to happen that weekend in Vacaville. My heart was starting to turn from stone to flesh. You know the text, Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. A heart of stone? I had it. It was my protection. It's what I hung on to. A heart of flesh, being kind, considerate, loving, giving, understanding, sensitive. Mm -mm. (laughs) 
not for me. A heart that is changed by the power of God and only by the power of God. It's called Inside Out. On the way home, Susie was driving and I was in the passenger seat thinking and reflecting upon, you know, this unconditional love stuff. And I said to her, uh, hey, honey, do you think it might be okay if we maybe come back? I could see her eyes just get really big, you know. And she turned and said, you know, maybe, you know, we could probably do that. Rather than, thank you, Jesus. You know, (laughs) 20 years. You know. So in a couple weeks, we went back to Vacaville, attended the church, and the sermon this time. And it's amazing how God puts people and messages for you at the right time in the right place. So the sermon was about from the inside out. You can come to Jesus just the way you are. You can come with all your brokenness. You can come with all your shame. You can come with all your sin. You can come with all your addictions. You can come with all your sorrows, your resentments. The list goes on. We can come just the way we are. It's called from the inside out. And something incredible began to happen. I can't explain it. There are no words to describe what was going on inside of me. All I know is supernatural. And as I sat there in the front row, I said, okay, Lord, if you really love me, if what I'm hearing and feeling is really true, you have my yes. But on condition. Don't you love to throw conditions out for God? You know, you do this, I'll do that. Yeah. Well, this one I hung on to and I will still hang on to. All right? With this condition, you've got to make the changes. I can't. A few weeks later, I was baptized. All my life, I believed I had to stop this or do this or not do this, that God wouldn't accept me if I didn't make all those changes, let alone be called a true Christian. And I knew I could never measure up to God's standards or others. I want you to lean in. Lean in. You belong before you behave. Did you hear what I said? You belong before you behave. Jesus did all the measuring up that we think we have to do on the cross. Jesus desires, first and foremost, a relationship that can only happen when we are open to choose and to allow him to be first in all things. Cannot serve two masters. 
I attempted that six years in school and five years in the ministry with devastating consequences. So now, stop relying on your strengths, he says, on your abilities, on your talents, but allow me to use them as I see fit. And this has been a challenge, I'll tell you. You know, you're talking, what, 68 years of the opposite, right? It doesn't just go away. It's a daily thing. Daily. Lord, use me. Give me the strength. Give me what I need. Because I can't do it alone. Hmm. What a challenge. That's another sermon. Many changes in the last three years. A marriage that's been restored. <clears throat> Not only <clears throat> does she love me, she <clears throat> excuse me, she likes me, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. My life has a purpose now. I just don't know what the future is going to be. I have an assurance that no matter what life brings, I will have all that I need because I have a Lord and Savior that loves me and has a plan for my life and will provide, no matter what takes place in the future. No. Has it always been easy? Absolutely not. I tell you, you know, three years ago, Satan left me alone. He didn't have to mess with me. You guys know what spiritual warfare is, right? Wow. So do I. Okay. So do I. But trials have a purpose. And I'm finding that out in this walk now with Christ. Is that when I allow him to come in and provide and show me through the trials that I go through, through the issues that we go through, and see him work in our life, my faith increases. That's where faith happens. That's where faith happens. Let me give you one example. You know, we lived in our home for over 20 years, and all the time and effort uh, that we put into it, I put it in my heart and soul, you know, into this home on a mountain, no neighbors, awesome view, everything that I could think of that I wanted. And last summer, we decided that we would redo the deck. So I'm out working uh, one summer day, about halfway through, and all of a sudden, I had this thought, this feeling, this revelation, whatever you want to call it, that we were doing this work for somebody else. And I walked into the house and I said, "Hun, I just had this, this overwhelming feeling that we're doing this work for someone else, that God wants us somewhere else. He has another plan and another purpose. She said, I knew that. I knew that six months ago. But I wanted God to tell you and not me. Thank you, Susie. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So we said, okay. We're going to put our house up for sale. Our house sold about three weeks ago. We are homeless by choice. <laughs> it's called Pada. 
P-O-T-A. That was a word that my son Brent used to use all the time when he would get into trouble, when he would mess up big time. He would just say, Dad, it's just part of, part of the adventure. I'm going, oh, thank you. By the way, I've got license plates coming on my new truck, Pata, to honor him, part of the adventure of which we're on today, indeed. You know, in the, in the zone of comfort, it's easy to talk about faith, to quote scriptures regarding examples of faith in action, but when you actually step out in faith into the zone of the unknown, you can expect discomfort. You can expect separation anxiety. You can experience a loss. You can expect, at least for me, of waking up in the middle of the night in a panic attack saying, what in the world have you done? You have sold your dream house. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? We don't know. We don't need to know, even though I want to know. (laughs) Come on, Lord, okay? I'm stepping out in faith here. This is not easy. I know, he says, your faith is going to grow. Trust me. Trust me. So now, we're experiencing a new kind of void. It's called the void of the unknown. And even though we're going through all the different feelings associated with the unknown, we believe and we have faith. That's the promise in Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, the plans to prosper you and not hurt you, the plans to give you hope and a future. If you will call on me, What a promise. That's one I hang on to every day, especially the past three weeks. (laughs) Okay? Especially the last few weeks. So many promises have been fulfilled, though, over the past three weeks. It's just been amazing. Been amazing. A purpose and a hope for the future. You know, I think probably every one of us in this room have experienced voids in our past. And I also believe that everybody in this room may be, uh, or at least some, experiencing voids today. Some loss. And I believe, you know, that the Christian walk is not void of trials and problems. All right? But whatever comes, just to have that assurance deep in your soul to know whatever life brings, we'll be able to manage it because we have a loving Savior that is there for us always and in us. And I thank you, Jesus, for that. All the glory goes to him. All the glory.
I'm so blessed to be able to talk about his love and his mercy and his grace. And I want that for each one of you. If you're struggling with issues, you know, if you have voids in your life, if you have disappointments and just don't know what to do, we have a Savior that's there and willing and wanting to fill that void. It's supernatural. You cannot fill it with anything else. It won't work. I've tried it. God bless each one of you. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my story with you. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. All the glory to you. Just fill our voids with your love. Let us feel you and know you and experience you. Let us communicate with you. Communicate with us. Lord, we want to hear your voice. We want to feel you and know you are real always. Thank you, Father. Amen.